Hello, everybody. Greetings. I'm here with Amy Dietz. Hello. How you doing? Good, Neil. Good, good. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, 2023. Glad, glad to be back in the office and everyone's uh, hustling and bustling about, which is kind of good it's to see. It's the time of the year where we get the question, what's the year going to look like? I'd like to see more than 50% of the people in the office. To yeah. Be I'd like to see that. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, anyway, whatever. What do I know? Yeah. Um, the Kraken. Anyway, to be discussed. Anyway, today we're going to look at the... 2023 outlook in terms of what we see happening in the economy, what we see happening in the markets. We're going to cover off, you know, fixed income, equity, you know, maybe touch on a little bit of real estate. All sorts of things are going to be discussed. Yeah. You know, we looked at about, um, I'd say somewhere between 15 and 18 economic outlooks for 2023. There's always an outlook, isn't there? There is. There is. And, and, and But from institutions ranging from JP Morgan yeah. to Morgan Stanley to, you know, some European ones like Credit Suisse and so forth, even our own National Bank, Royal Bank and so forth. Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, we, we have some pretty uh, interesting observations we'd like to share with you and uh, hopefully you'll join us coming up next. But before we go, we have to do disclaimers. It's my disclaimer hat. I actually have a hat now, guys. All right. This is official because we're talking about securities and outlooks. So securities and sectors and outlooks mentioned in this letter are not suitable for all types of investors and should not be considered as recommendations. Please consult your wealth advisor, that would be us, to verify whether your security or sector is suitable for you and obtain complete information, including main risk factors and, and other uh, pertinent information around the security. Some of the securities or sectors mentioned may not be followed by analysts at National Bank Financial. So coming up next, let's talk about outlooks for 2023. Welcome back, everybody. So what, why don't we cover off the first uh, aspect of our 2023 outlook? And, and let's let's remind everybody, we, we've looked at no less than about 18 sources of mm-hmm. outlooks. Yep. Of financial institutions across not only North America but Europe and even mm-hmm. Asia. So yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the overall economic situation. And you can imagine yeah. when you're assessing a whole bunch of different opinions, and each opinion's trying to put themselves out in the forefront in terms of their thought leadership. So you have to right. govern govern your assessment of that accordingly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll give you an example. I have the investment outlook for Morgan Stanley right here. Uh, we see a resilient economy without a looming collapse. Right underneath it is J.P. Morgan, a bad year for the economy, a better year for markets. So a bad year for econ- for the economy, a better, better year, year for yeah, markets. A bad year for the economy, a better year for markets. markets. Mm-hmm. Okay, sorry. Um, you know, and those are two very well-respected, you know, investment houses and, and 100%. two mm-hmm. somewhat different, let's say, outlooks in terms of the economy. And also, an outlook is only as good as the paper that's written on. Oftentimes, yep. when we wake up in December... Things will look markedly different than what was predicted. Well, and it changes throughout the year too, right? They're always, you know, changing their targets and things like that. So here's what we're reading, okay? One, you know, when you when you raise interest rates as as quickly as they have gone up in North America, you are going to see a slowing of the economy. I've been saying this for a while in in our podcast that uh, this has been a perfect purposeful slowing of the economy Mm -hmm. by the Fed in the states in the Bank of Canada, and the ECB, and the Bank of England. Mm-hmm. So that, that you know, the, the, I think the intended effect is going to happen. The first interest rate increase, I think, occurred in February 2022. So it's going to be, it's around a year since the first increase. And we're going to start seeing the real impact of these rate increases mm-hmm. starting to take hold mm-hmm. in the coming months. So yeah. I think you'd be somewhat Pollyannish to think that there was that there isn't going to be an economic slowdown in the coming months, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, in North America 
And well, and I think a lot of the companies at the end of last year, they were guiding lower, right? Yep. To be conservative and the anticipation that things are just going to slow a bit. Which they should. Yep, okay. exactly. So so that's so that, that's that, I think. But, in, you know, in let's say in concert with that, you are going to see inflationary pressures mm-hmm. drop. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's not going to be like a, like a, like a precipitous drop, like you're jumping off a cliff, but you're going to see a month by starting around now. I think you're going to see a month by month tick down in inflation, mm-hmm. which I think is what you what central banks want to see. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so the pace of increases, I think this year are either going to stop at some point in the next three to five months mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or the, or the pace is going to slow or slow. pace of increases are going to slow down. Mm-hmm. My bold prediction, this is just my bold prediction Take it for what it's worth. Is by this time next year, you're going to be talking about rates coming down with yeah. central banks. Yeah, I could see that. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's yeah. that's my guess. You're going to be looking at them to actually taking rates down. So, this is also probably going to be based on what I've seen and read. And you guys feel free to jump mm-hmm. in, but this might be the most peculiar recession or economic slowdown I've ever seen because mm-hmm. you're not going to see the layoffs to the same extent you would have seen layoffs, for instance, in the in the early '90s when there was a recessionary environment or the Great Recession of 2008. I don't think you're going to see that here. What you're going to see is I think jobless, uh, jo- uh, job openings are going to decline. So companies are going to wake up and say, well, wait a second, we don't need to necessarily hire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's going to close mm-hmm. out. Um, and I think you're going to see participation in the labor force maybe dwindle a little bit mm-hmm. you know, as, mm-hmm. as the economic changes take hold. But everything that I'm reading, that you know, if I look at 65 to 70% of the economic outlooks that I've read, they're all forecasting a very mild economic recession. Mm-hmm. It's not going to yeah. be something that is going to be as severe as what we saw in 2008 right, leading right. into 2009. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think yeah. so. I think everything we've read is all indicating that's the case. There are a couple. Uh, there are a couple that are saying that we um, uh, that the U.S. at least will be able to at least uh, avoid yeah, a recession, some are but saying narrowly avoid, avoid but one. narrow. Yeah, yeah. But I think the the general understanding or the general um, uh, idea is that. Uh, we are going to hit a recession. But the nice thing is that I think they're all saying, even the ones that are saying that we are going to hit a recession, that it's going to be mild and it's going to be short, right. short-lived. Right. Yeah. Um, and just one thing I wanted to build off of what you said, Sean, about companies. Um, I think companies are not going to go through the layoffs that they that that we saw in 08, 09. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know a lot of companies, like I remember after 08, 09, you started reading that companies who did do a huge amount of layoffs then struggled to hire afterwards. Yep. Mm-hmm. So That's I think... Point. <clears throat> yeah, so what uh, companies are starting to do is exactly like you said, they're st- they're implementing hiring freezes and mm-hmm. they're just maybe lowering the hours of, of their workers, especially obviously like the, the hourly wages. Yeah. Um, so not, like the hourly workers are just decreasing the amount of hours that they're working. But in terms of mass layoffs, we're not going to see that. I know, you know, obviously if you're going to talk about, I know Facebook just laid off, uh, Meta laid off a lot of workers on um, Amazon, you know, mm-hmm. 18,000 workers uh, globally. Uh, Salesforce is going to, but these numbers, even though Salesforce is, for example, laying off 10% of its workforce, Mm -hmm. these numbers are are really negligible compared to what happened in 08, 09. Uh, Companies have found in the past 10, 15 years that it's hard. It's hard. It's getting harder and harder to hire. Yes. And funny to say, yeah. funny enough, I, I was reading a report about a couple of weeks ago saying that in the next 30 years, 75% of workers will be freelancers. Well, you, you bring up right. an interesting point because yeah. you know, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up, Jalal, because there is a bit of a boom bust echo type of aspect to this mm-hmm. because a lot of a lot of people are retiring. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, when you if you lay off someone, there's mm-hmm. a cost mm-hmm. to doing that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Then you got to go 
go back into the labor pool, which yeah. is dwindling yep. from a demographic standpoint, yeah. and try and replace that higher. Then you yep. got to retrain them, yeah. or, you know, so on and so forth. Yep. So I think companies, to the extent they can, are going to hold on to their yep. headcount. Yep. It's a lot easier to unwind a job opening mm-hmm. than it is to lay off an existing yeah. person. Yeah, percent. You know, it, particularly by the way in Canada, because mm-hmm. of the labor, the labor let's say the legal employment law structure that exists within this country. It's very, it's actually much more robust than the United States, for instance. So it is. Mm-hmm. Call for mass mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That situation. yeah. So I think that's actually to the extent it is somewhat positive news. Now look, time will tell. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we'll get into this at the end of this, uh, you know, a couple of minutes around the broad, you know, the risks to what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, but that's the general consensus, mild recession, yeah. not long lived. Most of us, will not feel it in any deep painful way for those that do. I mean, obviously our heart goes out to people that have any, have any type of economic hardship, hardship enforced on them or imposed on them. Yeah. But for most of us, we'll be dealing with higher prices at the grocery store, but they might start coming down and so forth. Yeah. So what does that mean for fixed income? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I mean, look, if inflation starts going down in the future, let's say the future direct direction of interest rates starts going lower. Mm-hmm. Well, that's generally a positive backdrop for fixed income. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Particularly corporate bonds. Yeah. But government bonds too. And so, you know, for instance, if you see, let's say, at the, you know, you're looking at a 10 year government of Canada, if you see, let's say, even a one and a half percent drop in the yield mm-hmm. of a 10 year government of Canada bond, that implies a 15 percent increase in the value of that bond. Bond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In that sort of yeah. type of situation. Mm-hmm. So if, if inflation expectations grow lower, and just to put this in perspective, I mean, I'm look, looking at a global economics uh, report from Capital Economics, and they're talking about, you know, PC inflation slowing from around 5% right now to 3% late 2023. I mean, that's a that's a steep drop. That's a, you know, 40% drop in so inflation. So mm-hmm. what did you say the starting one was? 5.5? 5% is 5%, PC, percent, yeah, yeah. Yeah. PC inflation to, dropping to 3%. Yeah, that's too, so that's, obviously the inflation, and, and this is consistent across all the outlooks, so that inflationary yeah. pressures are going to ease. Like, I mean, obviously... Yeah. China opening up and, you know, let's say, relaxing their, their COVID restrictions mm-hmm. and opening up their economy more is going to re- release, let's say, tensions amongst the supply chain and so forth. That's positive for inflation and so so on. Mm-hmm. If inflationary inspections are, are uh, expectations are going lower, that would portend that interest rates could go lower. Mm-hmm. That's positive for fixed income. Yeah. 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 Personally, I don't. Um, so I think uh, UBS says that interest rates will probably go down by the summer. BlackRock literally said anybody who thinks it's going to go down at all this year is kind of foolish. So that that well, is, the, the, that is these a analysts little... are so like they all they all, sorry yeah, to yeah, interrupt yeah, Amy. Yeah. yeah, they all have their good reasons, right? And but it's just it obviously it's extremely hard to tell, and nobody's going to be able to tell. Who knows no, what, I mean, what the banks are planning? Our national bank economics research is suggesting that uh, owning corporate bonds may be the best place to be in for the first half of this year. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. you're right, and that's you know that's the point we made. Like, you take this with a grain of salt. Yeah, yeah. You know, all the, what I do. When what do I you read, think? Like, do you think interest rates are going to start going down this year or not yet? Well, here's what I do. I, I look at like uh, you know I've read about 18 of these. Yeah, and know? that's why I'm. Yeah, and, I know there's so, so many. So I, I, I take a consensus view. Yeah. And say, okay. Like, what, what's the 70 percent fit? Yeah. For what I'm seeing out there, and does yeah. it jive with what kind of my experience mm-hmm. has been economically? Uh, my my feeling is that interest rates are going to trend lower, uh, beginning somewhere mid-year into the back half of this year. Oh, so that you you think they're going to start dropping? Yeah, I do. I okay. don't think I don't think they're going to drop right away. Right. And I don't think they'll <coughs> drop a lot. 
right? No. I don't think we're go- we're not going back to the the lovely low interest well, rate no, environment. I'm, I don't I'm think. Saying, I'm not saying that central banks are going to wake up come this time next year and start reducing rates at 75 basis points yeah. over the next. No, that's not no, happening. No, no, yeah. but you can see, you know, the bond market rates rates in the yeah. bond market drop drop. Yeah. yeah, because of the inflationary pressures abating. Yeah, the economic the economy slowing down, mm-hmm. and all these things. So that that's actually a very favorable backdrop for bonds. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. so what I guess what I'm suggesting in a long winded way is yeah, bonds were not a great diversifier for the first time that I've ever seen in in, in all the time I've followed, you know, economics and finance since high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bonds for the first time were not a great diversifier. Right. right. I think that's going to change this year. Everything I'm reading is suggesting that bonds yes. are going to actually act as a cushion if we have very volatile stock markets in the coming months. Right, right. Yeah, yeah I would agree with that. Personally, I, I don't know. I, I would say that I, I I would argue that they're not going to come down, but who knows? Just because I don't think the economy is going to slow down to the point where, um, so you don't where think they have to. Rates are going to come down? Not this year, no. If anything, I think they're going to start in 2024. Okay. I think they're going to keep them, but well, that's what that's, makes it work. I mean, you could be right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. It, it's who knows, and, and you know, if that's the case, why why do you think interest rates are going to be persistently high? Because I'm th- talking in the bond market, not necessarily central banks. I'm talking about central banks. Uh, I, I I don't obviously know as much as you, nor do oh, I have do. too no, no, much experience about with bonds. <laughs> so I don't know about the bond market, but I'm Masters talking about economics c- over central here. banks. I don't think they're going to drop. Well, I, I'm not suggesting for a minute that central banks are going to actually reduce rates this year. <clears throat> I don't think. I hope, and I okay. hope I'm not coming across as such. Yeah, yeah. but okay. you think that mm. just the bond market, I think the, the rate bond, on the bond market, market yeah, is going, is I think rates are going to grow lower in the bond market. Right, right. On the expectation that central banks are going to lower rates in 2020. Point. Your yeah. reports, uh, talk to me guys about some sectors, like y- the reports that you guys have been reading. Any ideas on sectors like uh, uh, tech, whether it's health, you know, w- w- any ideas there? Any thoughts there? Uh, on the equity out- outlook? Uh, yeah. Well, let's just talk, uh, I guess, equity outlook. Let's well, say. I, th- I think that, you know, when you look at the markets in general, um, save some very select sectors globally, I think the global markets have really uh, forecasted it. Because if we back it up a step, yeah, you know, the, the markets are... are discounting mechanisms they tend mm-hmm. to look out anywhere from six to nine to 12 months yep. and, and assess what's going to be happening then and then yep. they price it accordingly now mm-hmm. and so the s&p 500 was down about 20 percent in 2022 so they're forecasting a pretty dire economic out, uh, out outlook for let's say where the u.s and global economy is going to be let's say september this coming year all the way up to maybe december mm-hmm. march of 2024 mm-hmm. type of thing mm-hmm. December 2023 um so if you have any kind of green shoot in the economic picture, mm-hmm. that's going to be positive for stocks in general. Mm-hmm. If inflation starts rolling over and the direction of inflation is lower, that's positive for stocks in general because mm-hmm. obviously that increases the value of uh, the net present value of a dollar the year and in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, so where would you know what, what I think is going to do well in the next six months to a year based on the outlooks I'm reading? Yeah. Uh, any any company that can do well in a, a higher interest rate environment, so that would be banking, insurance, uh, those kind of companies. Mm-hmm. Um, I think high quality industrials can actually do very very well in this environment because mm-hmm. they, again they're looking forward. If the economy troughs and then kind of comes out of it, you know that tends to be positive mm-hmm. for industrial companies. Mm-hmm. I think health insurance in the short run, or sorry, health, not health insurance, health uh, healthcare in general mm-hmm. is. Um, I think in the short run and the long term is actually yeah. a very good place to be. They got yep. great dividend growth. Their cost structures are somewhat inflationary resistant. The demographic, I know, aging population, and, yeah. and everything, just, yeah, just is, is enormously behind mm-hmm. already. Mm-hmm. So, 
So I think I think there are well, there's so much innovation going on in healthcare too. Like yeah. look at how it evolved since COVID mm-hmm. alone, right? There's yeah. so many more healthcare like applications now that we just didn't have before, had yeah. access to. So yeah, yeah. and then, uh, and I think also you know you mentioned technology. I, I do think in the next three to five to six months, technology like you know especially the big what I call utility type technology yeah. is probably going to be under a little bit of pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, they're earning enormous amounts of money, and they're 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 growing their dividends, and they're the the tech companies. Yeah, I think they they kind of remind me of uh, where energy was, uh, kind of like you know, let's say 2019, 2000, you know, 2020, not necessarily the depths of 2020. Yeah, that oil went negative and stuff like that. But they just remind me like they're just enormous money makers. Yeah, mm-hmm. and at some point, you know, things will even out for them and they, mm-hmm. they're going to still do very, very well because they're so well, dominant. If you, and fields. if you look at the problems we face today, yeah. and I like the way you, you framed it, the technology utility type companies, yeah. right? We're not talking about kind of the trendy fad technology. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the boring stuff like the mm-hmm. Microsofts of the world. If we look at the challenges we're facing with supply chain yeah. and you're going to have maybe a better logistics software to deal with multiple suppliers. Mm-hmm. If you have a hiring problem, well, then maybe you look to automate in certain ways. So, yeah. I think those types of companies, again, longer term, in the short run, yeah, they might have a difficult period, but longer term. Absolutely. And the, and the, you know, if you if you believe, you know, what Warren Buffett looks at when he, uh, you know, when he buys a company, and his largest hold, holding at Berkshire Hathaway is Apple, by the way, but, yeah. you know, it, it is, you know, barriers to entry, moats around the business and mm-hmm. so forth. I mean, the barriers to entry of competing against utility technologies, I, I, obviously anything can happen and there's obviously mm-hmm. some competitive threat out there, but it's hard to see. I mean, and if, if there is a competitive threat, these companies, their balance sheets are so strong. Mm-hmm. They just go and like yeah. buy out the competitor. They'll just take it out. Yeah. 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 And, and there's other there's other technology companies or I guess you could call them like like fintech type companies like the mm-hmm. MasterCards and the Visas. Mm-hmm. This environment's actually very good for them in an inflationary environment because 100%. prices are higher and they're taking yeah. a clip on. They take a percentage. Yeah. yeah. So if more money spent, they make more money. Now, yeah. there's yeah. obviously risks. To, to the coming year. Yep. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, what do you guys think might be based on what you read? What are those There's numbers? always they're, they're a obvious, risk. <laughs> there's obvious ones, right? We just never know what the central bank will do, right? As much as we all think that this is how it will unfold, there can be surprises. Yeah. Think per- about geopolitical events. I was just going to that, say. That's a big yeah. one, right? That mm-hmm. That's more so than we've seen in the past. Like in the past, it was all about globalization, working together, open borders. Yeah. We're in a very different environment now. Like for the first time in a long time, we're really, you have to look at the companies and say, where are they, where do they do their manufacturing? What happens if a country like China says, you know what? No, no more. We're not going to play nice and yeah. we're going to shut things down. What are you going to yeah. do then? So you do have to be mindful of that. Mm-hmm. I think when you're looking at your companies uh, more so today than you had to in the past. And I agree. I think personally, like I was going to answer to to answer Sean's question in terms of risks. I was going to say, I think geopolitical tensions and geopolitical yeah. factors are going to be the biggest risks. And yeah. The most volatile uh, in, in the next couple of years. Like, yeah. who knows? So I read, yeah. I read something the scary in the weekend, and I, 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 I can oh, source. No. <laughs> no, I mean, don't tell me another cold You're war. Have nightmares. Well, it was it actually. So there's a, a think tank in the United States. It was uh, it was kind of reported on on CNN, and then back, you know backed up by some other various you know reports. But it's, yeah. this is a, a, a real time. I, I can get the name, and I can post mm. it on our, our podcast notes. Yeah, yeah. But they did a, a, a the largest war simulation or war game simulation on a attack from China to Taiwan defended by the United States and Japan. Yeah. And the and Taiwan, the Taiwanese mm-hmm, army. Mm-hmm. 
And they basically ran like 24 to 25 scenarios yep. back to back to back to back. And the net outcome was that basically the U.S. would win, mm-hmm. but their Navy would be just destroyed, set mm-hmm. back about 15 to 20 years. Mm-hmm. The Chinese Navy, the same, mm-hmm. destroyed, set back 15 to 20 years. The Japan Japanese Navy would be wiped out. Um, the ta- so I mean, the, like, it, like mm-hmm. it'd go on and on and on. Mm-hmm. Taiwanese. I want to. I want to read that. Or it was. It was something watch else. It. And, and and so, I, I mean, the good news they said is like because of the you know they like obviously the U.S. military is doing these modelings and so is the Chinese armed military and so mm-hmm. forth. The good news is that they're seeing the same data. And they're like, okay, if we really want to push. You want to so avoid far, that? It's gonna be yeah. Like, well, we're going to be just yeah. No, there's no winner out right. of this really. Right. But I mean, you know. 15 years ago, 20 years ago, who was talking about that kind of, you know, scenario, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, to me, I think, I actually think in the Ukraine, the geopolitical risk has gone down a little bit. Mm-hmm. And here's why. Mm-hmm. I think early on in, in the in the conflict, there was always this underpinning of a threat that Putin could use some sort of nuclear option. Right, Mm -hmm. right. But as this this war drags on, he hasn't done it yet. Yeah. And the rhetoric of using a nuclear option has somewhat dropped off a little bit. Yeah, that's true. So I think that that geopolitically very unsettling option is not as, uh, let's say, probabilistic today Mm -hmm. as it might have felt, let's say, three or four months ago. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's a positive. So for me, I think the greater impact is because we don't know the impact of interest rate increases, you know, until let's say nine to 12 months after the fact. Mm. And we literally wrote, you know, rates increased in December. Mm. We won't really know the ultimate impact on the economy until this time next year. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So, okay. Yeah, so that, that's the real rate. risk is we yeah. don't know if we put on the brakes far too hard or maybe to your point, Jalal, maybe we didn't put it on enough mm-hmm. yeah. because the, you know, most I think most price inflation is probably going to abate in the coming year. But mm-hmm. what I don't think central banks were counting on is the, the stickiness of the wage price stri- uh, spiral. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So I, that's we a tricky that one. Yeah. Yeah. To me, yeah. Risk for us sitting here in Toronto, yeah. Ontario, yeah, yeah, yeah. King yeah. and I mean, I mean, they're both King New York. In my opinion, they're both risks. Like whether it's inflation or uh, or wage growth or whatnot. Um, by geopolitical, I think I just meant that uh, not only war, uh, but just the um, the animosity that's growing between countries, like because yep. I read, and the reason I'm saying this is because I read a lot about what's happening with TSMC, for instance, and yep. what's going on in the. Um, I'm not really like the smartest guy when it comes to health, but when it comes to tech, I like to keep up my stuff there, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and just the, the the tech world in terms of the manufacturing and the supplyment of it is mm-hmm. changing a lot, mm-hmm. right? Right, um, mm-hmm. and that's why I see like. Um, companies as you said amy closing borders between you know mm-hmm. uh, uh, between each other and um so who knows how how companies are gonna react to that i guess mm-hmm. now well, and, you're, and you're starting to see you're starting to see trading blocks yeah. similar to cold war trading blocks exactly up, right? yeah. Like yeah. Saw, yeah. yeah i think russia is increasingly leaning on north korea and china for yep. weapons supplies and so forth. and iran and, yeah, mm-hmm. and iran as well mm-hmm. so yeah. you know and you can see obviously nato's nato and they've just literally said okay now's the time for sweden to join you know and yeah so yeah on. so yeah you're right and then and, you also have like what the 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 Juan petro like uh i was reading yesterday that china's going to start probably implementing or they already have started implementing buying oil and in, in in the base currency as the one rather than the u.s dollar right so yeah. all that's going to be that like that's going to have huge impact uh, mm-hmm. globally, and and as we all know, anything that happens to oil, ha- it ripples through the entire economy. Right. 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 So, but 
Well, I think, you know, when we we look back and every year we're we're always surprised at what could happen. And I always tell people we just prepare for the next crisis. There's always something right. Like who would have predicted a pandemic? Um, You know, we were reading a book recently. uh, We'll talk about it on our other podcast, but the psychology of money. And Mm -hmm. I like the way he phrased it was you have to be a paranoid optimist to be an investor. And I really like that because it's like you do. You have to be paranoid to to be worried about these things to yep. build in enough buffer and mm-hmm. make sure that you've planned accordingly for your clients. But also you, you don't want to be too doomsday or, um, because yeah, yeah. generally as a human race, we, we figure things out and we right. move forward. So there's that paranoid you don't optimism. Be naive. You well, don't want to be naive. This is why you want to resist the urge yeah. to abandon being a balanced investor. Exactly. What happened last year. And I'm going to quote, you know, JP Morgan in their, in their 2003, uh, you know, uh, outlook. They mm-hmm. said, you know, the potential for bonds to meaningfully support a portfolio in the most extreme negative scenarios. We went through a couple. Mm-hmm. We're not we're not trying to be Pollyanna here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Such as a uh, such as a much deeper recession than we envision, or in the event of a geopolitical pe- uh, tension, we cover that. Mm-hmm. Is perhaps the most important for multi asset investors. For example, I covered this. If a ten year U.S. Treasury bond yield falls from four percent to two percent between November twenty twenty two and the end of twenty twenty three. That's a twenty percent return, mm-hmm. right? On that on that bond, right? And then they finished to say after the pain of twenty twenty two, the ability for investors to build a diversified portfolio is now the strongest in over a decade. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, they're saying both stocks and bonds look attractive now. Yeah, but fixed income again deserves its place in the multi asset toolkit. Yep. So that's that's I think this year having bonds in your portfolio could defend against some of the risks that we just talked about. Exactly. Yeah. Well, here's to twenty twenty three. All right, guys. <laughs> Well, let's see what happens, everybody. All let's right. do it. Okay. Great. Have a great day, everybody. And we look forward to talking with you soon. Uh, feel free to give us a, a nice little positive rating if you're asked to by Spotify or <laughs> iHeartRadio or whatever. We really appreciate it. Yeah, or send us some feedback on ideas for feedback, the year. And we'd be happy to Even accommodate. if it's a background. If anyone has ideas about yeah. backgrounds, let us know. I hope you guys all like it. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye me again with the disclaimer hat. (laughs) So as a reminder, everything we covered today that the sectors or securities mentioned in the podcast are not suitable for all types of investors and should not be considered as recommendations. Please consult your wealth advisor to verify whether the sector or security is suitable for you and to obtain complete information, including the main risk factors. Some of the securities or sectors mentioned may not be followed by analysts at National Bank Financial. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon.